The Old Testament reading for today is Isaiah 6. The New Testament reading is Luke 8, 4 through 15. And that is our sermon text for today, Luke 8, 4 through 15. First, Isaiah chapter 6. This, this passage is precious to me. I think the first sermon I ever preached uh, was on Isaiah chapter 6. That's going back many years now. A very important text, a beautiful text. Would you hear now the reading of God's holy word? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah the prophet says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood seraphim. Each had six wings, with two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts." Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing. But do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and be turned and healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Let us go now to Luke chapter 8 and read verses 4 through 15. Luke 8, 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, He said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and with it, choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. 
Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is now the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this morning. As many of you will remember, we considered this same passage in the sermon that was delivered last Sunday. In that sermon, we considered this parable of Jesus about a sower who sows seed on various types of soil. The seed represents the Word of God. The sower represents the one who preaches the Word. The different types of soil, the hard, compacted soil of the wayside, the rocky soil, the weedy soil, and the good soil, represent different ways that people hear or receive God's Word. And in that sermon that was delivered on the last Lord's Day, we gave special attention to the symbolism of the soils. The exhortation that was delivered to you was to tend to the garden of your soul, to have a heart that is soft and receptive towards God and His Word, one that is well-tilled, stone-free, and regularly weeded. And this is all so that you might receive with meekness the implanted Word of God which is able to save your souls. That is James 1.22. Now today we will take up this parable again, but we will consider it in a different way, giving special attention not to the soils, but to the sower and to the seed. So first let us consider the sower. Notice his surprising behavior. This sower casts his seed far and wide. He casts his seed indiscriminately. He casts his seed with what seems to be no concern at all for the condition of the soil upon which it falls. And I say that this behavior is surprising because farmers would typically be more careful with their precious seeds. I think if you and I lived in an agrarian society, we would be immediately struck by the strange behavior of this sower of seed. We would ask the question, why is he being so careless why is he throwing his seed on soils that have not been prepared? Does he not know that the seed that he throws on the path will be wasted? Does he not know that the seed he throws on the stony ground will spring up only for a little while, but will never bear fruit? Does he not know that the seed he throws on soil not previously cleared of weeds will be overrun? The sower of the seed in Jesus' parable behaves surprisingly. And I think this is very deliberate. I think there is meaning in this. The sower, as you know, symbolizes the one who preaches the Word of God. And preachers are to preach in the same way that this sower sowed his seed. Preachers must preach the Word indiscriminately. They must cast the seed of the gospel of the kingdom of God everywhere with no concern for the condition of the soil upon which the Word of God falls. Yes, they are to pray that God's Word would be received by men and women with good, soft, and fertile minds and hearts. But preachers must not be concerned with the condition of the hearts and minds of their hearers as they cast the seed of the gospel. 
The seed of the gospel is to be cast freely, liberally, indiscriminately. And the reason for this should be obvious. Firstly, we cannot see the condition of the hearts and minds of men. As heralds of God's message of salvation, we are in fact blind to the condition of the souls of others. The the sower of the seed in this parable seems to cast the seed as if he were blind. And I think that is the point. We are in fact blind to the condition of the hearts and minds of men. And so we, as heralds of God's message of salvation, are to cast the seed of the gospel indiscriminately, blindly as it were, upon all who will listen. Those who appear to us to be soft and receptive may be hard as stone, whereas those who appear to us to be hard may be soft to God and to His Word. Secondly, even if we could see that a person's heart was hard and compacted, stony or thorny, there is nothing we can do about it except to pray. And so we are simply to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all who will listen with their natural ears, that is, leaving the preparation of the mind and heart of man to God. God alone can take a heart of stone to make it soft towards Him. Ezekiel 11.19 and 36.26 do speak of this. And so we are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen with their natural ears, and we are to leave the preparation of the mind and heart of man to God. He alone can change the heart to make it good and receptive to His Word. I want you to notice that Christ preached like this. He proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom indiscriminately to all who came to Him. In fact, our text begins with these words in 8.4, And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Him, He said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, etc. And so Christ Preach to all who came to Him. He told them this parable, and we know that it was His custom to preach the gospel of the kingdom everywhere He went. And at the end of this section, in 8.8, He said to these people, He called out to them, saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So He preached to all who would hear with their natural ears. And then He said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And these words... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Show us that Christ knew that not all who heard Him would hear Him. Does that make sense? (laughs) Not all who heard Him would hear Him. Stated differently, Christ knew that not all who possessed the natural ability to hear His voice would have the ability to hear Him inwardly, spiritually, and truly, leading to the salvation of their souls. To use the imagery from our parable, Christ knew that many who listened to His preaching would listen to Him with hearts and minds characterized by the soil of the wayside, or the stony ground, or the soil choked by weeds. Yes, they heard Him preach, but they did not have ears to hear Him truly. Stated positively, as Christ preached to the multitudes, He knew that some would not only hear His voice in a natural way, some would hear His voice inwardly and truly with understanding and with receptiveness. They would take His Word to heart. They would receive it by faith. And again, to use the imagery of our parable, 
Though Christ knew that much of the seed of the Word of God that He cast upon the multitude would fall upon poor soil, He knew that some would fall upon good, soft, and receptive soil, and by God's grace would bear fruit. It was to these that Christ called out, saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You have all heard me with your natural ears, but I know, this is me uh, paraphrasing what Christ said, but I know that some of you have ears to hear really and truly, inwardly to the salvation of your souls. Hear me sincerely, receive my word sincerely, and be saved. So you can see that Christ Himself cast the seed of the Word of God freely and indiscriminately as He preached. He did not aim at the good soil only. No, He preached to the multitudes as they came to Him. And we should also see that Christ was, by His example and through this parable, training His apostles to preach the gospel of the kingdom in the same way. This parable, you see, applies to the one who hears God's Word by it, The hearer of God's Word is exhorted to hear in a good way. We considered that last Sunday. But this parable is also for the preacher of God's Word. You see, the preacher of God's Word is called to sow the seed of the gospel of the kingdom like Jesus did, liberally and without concern for the condition of the hearts and minds of those who listened. Those who preach the Word must know for certain that those with ears to hear will hear. In Luke 9... We are told about Jesus sending out the twelve apostles to preach. So these twelve apostles of His would be called to preach. And they were to preach just as He preached. Listen to the text. And He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God and to heal. And in verse 6 we read, And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. There's so much to consider in this text that I've just read, and we will consider it all in due time. But for now, I want you to see that the apostles preached like Jesus did. They proclaimed the gospel freely. They proclaimed the gospel indiscriminately. In Luke 10, 72 of Jesus' disciples are sent out to preach, and the same may be said of these. They preached liberally. Some who heard them received their word. Many did not. And when their message was rejected, Christ instructed them to shake the dust off their feet as a testimony against them. They were to dust themselves off and go their way as a testimony against those who did not receive their word. And we should not forget about Luke's second volume called The Acts of the Apostles. In that book, we are told told all about the preaching ministry of Christ's apostles including the Apostle Paul, who was one untimely born. And what do we find? They preached the gospel of the kingdom boldly and freely at every opportunity. They did not attempt to judge the condition of the hearts of men, but cast the seed of the gospel on all who would listen, and they left the results to God. I want you to take, for example, Acts 13, 44-52. There we are told about the preaching ministry of Paul and Barnabas. The text says, The next Sabbath almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles." 
For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced. They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice five brief things about this passage. This is not a sermon on this passage, but there are five things to note which do connect to the passage we are considering today. First of all, Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel like the sower in our parable. They cast the seed of the gospel far and wide, making no attempt to discern the condition of the hearts and minds of men. Two, when the gospel was rejected by some who were hard-hearted, Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet as a sign against them and went on preaching to others. Three, humanly speaking, it was those you would expect to receive the word of God who rejected it, namely the Jews, whereas those you would not expect to receive it, the Gentiles, were the ones who believed. Four, Luke interpreted the reception of the word of God by some in this way, saying, And as many as were appointed to eternal life, Believed That is Acts 13, 48. Some received the word, and Luke interpreted the reception of the word of God in this way, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. This is the doctrine of election or predestination and effectual calling, to which we will return shortly. Five, this approach in this mindset made for happy preachers and a happy church. Despite the difficulty and the persecution that were being experienced by Paul and Barnabas and other disciples, we are told that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy as they were faithful to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the multitudes and to trust that God would bring His elect to salvation. As we return to our parable in Luke 8, I hope you would agree that This parable does serve a dual purpose. The parable is both an exhortation to hear the Word of God in a good way, and it is an exhortation to proclaim the Word of God in a good way. We are to learn from both the soils, and we are to learn from the sower. We are to cast the seed of the Word of God indiscriminately, freely, liberally to all who will hear it, and we are to leave the results to God. I want to turn our attention now to the seed. I think it is fascinating to consider the seed. Jesus tells us in verse 11 that the seed in this parable represents the Word of God. It is the gospel of the kingdom. It is the message contained in Holy Scripture. And there are three things that I want you to notice about the seed. First of all, notice that the seed has within it the power to produce life and fruitfulness. The seed has within it the power to produce life and fruitfulness. You know, in the previous sermon I mentioned my garden, which is currently overgrown and in need of some some major attention. I put 
some effort into that garden late last winter and in the early spring, and, and I really did very much enjoy the process of, of growing food from seed. And in fact, I was fascinated by the process, and on many occasions, I held seeds in my hands, some large, some very, very small, and I marveled at the thought that these, these little seeds, these little things, have within them the power to grow into plants that we can eat to the nourishment of our bodies. I'm fascinated about that. It's, it's incredible to think about that God has created something like this, that God has designed the world in this, in this way. These little seeds, and they look like nothing as they are there in the palm of your hand. They have life in them. You can walk around with a whole garden in your pocket. Think of that for a moment. You can walk around your house with dozens of, of watermelons and butternut squashes and zucchinis in your pocket, in seed form, of course. And I think we should marvel over this. My family knows that I marveled over this because I would often make comments about it, especially as the seeds began to emerge from the little starter trays. I would say, look at these things. They're exploding from the ground like little monsters, you know. It's just, it's amazing how the Lord has created the world. The seed has the power to produce fruit, to give life, and even to produce more seeds so that the process might continue. And as strange as it sounds, I would highly encourage you all to buy some seeds so that you could hold one in your hand and ponder all of the life that is contained within that little package. And as you do so, reflect also upon the seed of the gospel. It is no wonder that Jesus chose the seed as a metaphor for the Word of God. The gospel of the kingdom of God, that is to say the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus the Messiah, is a small, simple message that can be taken with you wherever you go. And yet it has within it the power to save. It has within it the power to give eternal life and to produce a great harvest of fruit. And so I wonder, have you ever stopped to think about the power that is contained within the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? This simple story, this simple message that can be taken with you wherever you go and proclaim to, ev- to whoever will listen has contained within it the power to give eternal life. It is marvelous to consider. And this is why the Apostle Paul famously said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The second thing I want you to notice about seed is that it does not sprout and grow unless it is planted. There is great power contained within the seed, but it must be planted if its power is to be released. This is also very convenient for the farmer or for the gardener, isn't it? A farmer can therefore store his seed and plant it at the right time. A traveler can take seed with him on his journey and he will not have a garden bursting out of his pack. He can plant the seed when he arrives at his destination. Natural seeds must be sown into the soil if they are to germinate and come to maturity. And so it is with the seed of the gospel. It must be sown in order to release its power. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ must be proclaimed, friends. It will do no good to keep it in our pocket. Yes, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, has within it the power to save. But in order for that power to be released, in order for it to come to maturity, it must be cast upon the soil of the souls of men. And so we must be sowers of the seed of the gospel. The third thing to notice about seed is that it must be planted in good soil if it is to reach maturity and produce fruit. The soil, we know, and we have learned from this parable, must be soft. It must be filled with nutrients and moisture if the seed is to germinate and grow to maturity. Uh, This is true of natural seeds. This is true also of the seed of the gospel. It must be sown in good soil if it is to germinate and grow and reach maturity. In our parable, as it pertains to the seed of the Word of God, this means that the good news of the kingdom of God must be received in the minds of heart, minds and hearts of men and women by faith. Does the seed of the gospel contain within it the power to save? Does it contain within it the power to grant the forgiveness of sins, to reconcile to God, and to give eternal life? The answer is yes, but it must be, but it must be truly received by those who hear it. Those who hear the Word of God must take it in. They must believe the Word of God. They must place their faith in the Word of God and in the Christ who is offered to them therein. You see, the seed of the gospel, as powerful as it is, will not release its power unless it is received by faith into the good, soft, and fertile soil of the minds and hearts of those who hear it. In the previous sermon, we considered this truth from the vantage point of the soil. There in that sermon, I exhorted you to be good soil. That is to say, to receive the Word of God in a good way, to be a good hearer of God's Word, to receive the gospel of the kingdom of Christ truly by faith and with repentance. But here we are analyzing the seed of the Word of God itself. And we are to marvel over the power that is contained within the seed of the gospel. We are to recognize that the seed of the gospel must be sown into soil if it is ever to release its power. And we are to contemplate the fact that it must be received, not by any kind of soil, but by good soil, if it is to germinate, grow, and reach the fruitful maturity of holiness and eternal life. This is how the Word of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God, works. It works like seed works. The gospel has contained within it the power to save, but for this power to be released, the gospel must be proclaimed to men and women and received by faith. I want you to listen again to Paul's famous statement about the power of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And in Romans 10, 13-15, the Apostle expands upon this when he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Again, that is Romans 10, 13-15. And it is a very important passage. You see, the gospel has the power to save, for it is through belief in the gospel that men and women call upon the name of the Lord. But to call upon the name of Jesus Christ, they must believe in Him. 
And to believe in Him, they must hear about Him. And to hear about Him, someone must preach to them. And if preachers are to preach, they must be sent. And so you can see that Paul works backwards here in this passage to show us how people come to be saved. They come to be saved by calling upon the name of the Lord. But in order to do that, the seed of the gospel must be cast upon them by preachers. And preachers must be sent. One last thing I would like to do with you this morning is to consider the soils again. But this time I would like to consider them not from the vantage point of the hearer of God's Word like we did in the previous sermon, but from the vantage point of the preacher of God's Word. We should remember that this parable was presented to two different audiences. First, Christ delivered this parable to the multitudes that came from the towns, beginning in Luke 8.4. These were undoubtedly being exhorted by Christ through this parable to be good hearers of the Word of God that was delivered to them. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, Christ concluded. But the parable was explained in detail to the disciples of Christ who gathered with Him in private. These, you see, were not only hearers of God's Word, but they would be preachers of God's Word too. So, they would consider the soils not only from the vantage point of a hearer, but also a preacher or sower of the seed of the gospel. And a question they would have is this, how will it be that any will receive the word of God with an honest and good heart? You see, they were not only concerned with being good hearers of the word of God themselves, but being prepared to be sent out as preachers of the word of God, as sowers of seed. They would have undoubtedly been concerned with the question, how will any receive this message? How do we know if this parable is true, that, that our message will ever succeed, that it will ever be received by men with good and honest hearts, that it will ever sprout up and come to maturity, leading to, leading to life everlasting. I hope you understand the importance of this question. These men would be sent out as sowers of the seed of the gospel of the kingdom. They would be sent out soon, even during Christ's earthly ministry, see Luke 9.1 and 10.1. They would be sent out permanently as sowers at the end of Christ's earthly ministry before His ascension. Remember the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. They were sent out to sow the seed of the gospel of the kingdom. And thankfully they would be sent out with powerful and potent seed. They would be sent out with powerful and potent seed. That is to say the seed of the word of God. But what about the soil? If it is true that success requires not only potent seed, but also good soil, what about the soil? Where would this good soil, that is to say, these good, honest, and receptive hearts and minds, come from? The answer is that the disciples of Jesus would always have good seed to cast upon good soil by God's grace. The seed is the Word of God, and so it is inherently good and potent. And God, by His grace will prepare the soil of the hearts and minds of some to make them good and receptive to the seed of His Word. Friends, the Scriptures are clear that our hearts and minds are not naturally good, honest, and receptive to God's Word, given our fall into sin. In sin, our minds are said to be darkened. In sin, our, heart, our hearts are said to be hard, in sin, our wills are polluted and bent towards that which is evil. 
To use the language of our parable, our hearts are by nature like the soil of the wayside. Our hearts are by nature like the rocky soil and the thorny soil. Where then will this good soil come from? Again, I say that God will give it as a gift through the preaching of His Word and by the inward working of His Holy Spirit upon the hearts of His elect. This is the doctrine of effectual calling. I have not left myself much time to demonstrate this doctrine from Scripture, though it could be easily done. But for the sake of brevity and clarity, I'll cite our Confession of Faith, the Second London Confession in chapter 10, which is entitled, Of Effectual effectual Calling. Paragraph 1 is a wonderful overview of this teaching that is found in Holy Scripture. It says, Those whom God hath predestined unto life, He is pleased in His appointed and accepted time, effectually to call, by His Word and Spirit, out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature, to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. And how does, how does God do this? How does He do this? How does He effectually draw sinners? He does it by His Word and Spirit, yes. But what does He do within man in order to accomplish this? Our confession tells us, and it is a faithful summary of the teaching of Holy Scripture, God does this by His Word and Spirit through Jesus Christ, by enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly, to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving to them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills, and by His almighty power determining them to that which is good and effectually, or we might say effectively, drawing them to Jesus Christ, yet so as they come most freely, being made willing by His grace." This is a wonderful overview of the teaching of Holy Scripture concerning how it is that God calls sinners to Himself. How it is that God makes the the hard, stony, thorny hearts of men good and receptive to the Word of God. How does He do it? He does it through the preaching of the Word of God, which is an external thing. It comes to our natural ears. But even more to the point of our focus here, He does it by working upon the minds and hearts and wills of men inwardly to make them soft to the things of God, you see. That is what is behind this parable of Jesus here as He talks about the different soil types. Undoubtedly the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, yes, they would have been convinced that the seed that they were given is is powerful, that it is potent, but upon hearing that it must be received by good and honest hearts in order to germinate and to grow and to come to maturity bearing fruit, they must have been wondering, how will this happen? How will this happen? And here Christ does answer uh, that it is a gift from God. Yes, in this parable we find an exhortation to receive the Word of God with a good and honest heart. But no one is able to do so unless the Lord effectually calls them externally by His Word and inwardly by the Spirit. This is what is behind the words of Christ in verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Some would have ears to really hear the Gospel, whereas many in that multitude would only have natural ears to hear. Some, by God's grace, have ears to hear His voice, 
And this is the doctrine that is behind the words of Christ that He spoke to His disciples in private. Verse 10, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Again, I say to you, it is the biblical doctrines of predestination, effectual calling, and even reprobation, that is the passing over of the non-elect, that stand behind these words of our Lord. Hear them again. Uh, They are echoing that Isaiah 6 passage that we read at the beginning of this sermon. To you, he says to his disciples, to you it has been given. That is to say, a gift has been given to you to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You see the words of Christ concerning the good soil in verse 8. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And in verse 15, as for that in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. These words concerning the good soil do not only function as an external call to be good hearers of the word of God. They are also a promise to the preacher of the word that there will always be good soil in the world on which to cast the seed of the gospel. Yes, it is true, as you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, many seeds will fall upon hearts hardened and deceived by sin. But in this parable we are taught that some will fall on good soil. That is to say, on the hearts and minds of men made good and receptive to God's Word, by God's grace, through the working of the Holy Spirit. This is in fulfillment to the word of the Lord spoken through the prophet Ezekiel. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The Lord does this through the preaching of the word of God, yes, externally, but even more so through the inward working of the Holy Spirit. And so I think it is very important to consider this parable not only from the vantage point of the soils, but also from the vantage point of the sower and the seed. And to see, brothers and sisters, that we collectively, as the church, have been called to make disciples of all nations. We collectively have been called to cast the seed of the gospel out into the world indiscriminately, freely. Anyone who will hear needs to hear the gospel from us. But if we are to be good sowers of seed, we must understand the power that is in the seed. And we must also understand the power that God has by the working of His Holy Spirit to take hearts that are hard and stony and thorny and to make them good by His grace. If we wish to see Christ's kingdom expand, the preaching of the Word of God must be primary, brothers and sisters. The Word of God must be proclaimed by us faithfully. It must be proclaimed by us freely. It must be proclaimed by us clearly. It must be proclaimed by us to the congregation. It also must be proclaimed by us to the world. We must cast the seed of the gospel, even out in the world. The church must walk by faith, brothers and sisters, knowing that God will call His elect to Himself by His Word and Spirit. He will do it. This is a work that He must do, ultimately, But we must be faithful to do what God has called us to do. 
We ought never to rely on man-made schemes and tactics for the building up of Christ's church. The church is spiritual. It is spiritually born, you see. The church is the assembling together of those who have been effectually called. The church is the assembling together of those who have Jesus as Lord because the Spirit has made them alive and able to believe in Christ the Lord. And so never should we resort to worldly or unbelieving tactics. We must preach the Word of God, relying ever on the Spirit's work. And the church must pray. The church must pray for the success of the gospel and the conversion of souls. For we do know that prayer, along with the preaching of the gospel, is a means that God uses to draw His elect to salvation and faith. Let's bow together for a word of prayer, and then we will sing. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for this parable filled with such wonderful imagery which helps us to understand how it is that your kingdom will advance here on earth. We thank you, O God, for Christ Jesus and the work that he has accomplished. We thank you that this message of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus does have the power to save. O God, we pray that you would have mercy. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon this world to give the gift of salvation to many, O Lord. We pray that your elect would be drawn in and that you would make us faithful to do what you have called us to do, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and make us joyous and happy in doing so, knowing, O God, that it is not up to us to save others. It is up to you. But do make us faithful to do our part. When we stand before you on the last day, may we hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. May we be good sowers of the seed of the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.